Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. So as I mentioned, this is the last week of our little mini-series taking a look at this word and taking a look uh, throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, places that this word and phrase were used, and how much we can accomplish more when we work together than if we work just by ourselves. And we, take, we took a look, first of all, beginning with working together with God. We're not just here working together with each other. If we want to accomplish something of eternal impact and difference, it must be with the Lord. And so that's our first primary concern and focus is that we would work together with God, that we would work together with the Lord, that we're not just here busy, being busy by ourselves, but that we work together with the Lord, that God goes with us, that we pray to the Lord, that we see God to uh, be the one that is involved in making the difference. Then we took a look at how working together involves our differences. Because it would be so much easier for us to be united if every one of us were the same, right? If we were all the same, we all thought the same, we all had the same perspective, we all had the same ideas, everybody would get on board. Somebody would have an idea, hey, why don't we do this? And if we all thought the same way, everybody would be like, that is the best idea I've ever heard, let's all go do that. And on the one hand, it sounds very appealing, it sounds exciting, like, yeah, we could get everybody on board, but there is a limitation to everybody thinking the same way, everybody having the same skills and talents and abilities. The Bible talks about the body being many different members. If uh, the whole body were an eye, where are the hearing? And where are the hands? And where is the smelling? And where are the feet? You know, if, if everybody, you know, in terms of spiritual giftedness or spiritual placement were an eye, yeah, we would all see things exactly the same way, you know? But because of our differences, we are better off. And that was God's plan. That was God's idea. He was the one who gave the spiritual gifts to different individuals so that they, we might work together. So that's important for us to acknowledge and to appreciate in others those differences that we might have. But if we are going to work together, then we do also need to consider, well, there needs to be some similarity, something in common between you and me if we're going to work together, right? If you and I have different perspectives or we have different gifts or different ideas of how to handle a situation, then we've got to have something in common. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to work together, right? We're not going to be able to get along. We're not going to be able to uh, get on the same page. And we saw last week how important it is for us to be on that same page. You can have different gifts, different perspectives, different upbringings, different, different, all of these different things, and those can be wonderful things, but we've got to make sure that we have the same things being the same. We need to be a part of the same family. You have to be saved. You have to be born again. Then you need to follow the Lord. We've got to be going in the same direction. If God is going in that direction, then we must all follow him in that same direction, having that same mindset and ministry. I love some of the pictures that were used uh, by the Apostle Paul, and, and you see in the Bible that uh, some, they just had the attitude of, I just want to fill in whatever is needed here. I just want to be able to do something and just to be a help and just to really dedicate themselves. Uh, the Bible describes Stephanus as addicting themselves. The idea is that they appointed themselves to the ministry. They didn't wait for somebody to drag them into it. They said, hey, I want to go do something, and they addicted themselves. They were kind of obsessed. We might use that word, obsessed with the ministry. 
So we saw all of these things kind of coming together and how important it is that we work together with God and we work together with each other because working together makes a difference. Working together makes a difference. Working together with God and working together with each other makes a difference. So this morning, I do want to ask you all the question, do you want to make a difference? Do you want to make an eternal difference? Do you want to make a spiritual difference? Do you want to be able to leave this, this church on a Sunday morning or, you know, as life goes on and be able to look back on the ministry to be able to say, you know, I'm glad that a difference was made, that a difference was made in that person, that a difference was made in my ministry, that a difference was made in my church. And if we are going to want to make a difference, then we've, we've really got to work together to maximize the difference that we can make. And I want to see a few areas in which working together makes a difference. The first of which is the destination of the lost. We read the verse there, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Paul chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. When you see Paul and his ministry and you think about the focus and emphasis of Paul, the first word that should come to mind is gospel. He ministered in the gospel. He served in the gospel. He traveled to these different places for the sake of the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 gives us the definition of the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. I'm telling you what the gospel is, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Praise the Lord that we can be saved because of the gospel. If you keep in mind what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul was laboring for. Because God has some good news and bad news. Right? The gospel actually means the good news. The bad news is that we are all sinners. The bad news is for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The bad news is there is none that doeth good. The bad news is for all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The bad news is the wages of sin is death. But there is good news. God sent his son to this earth to die on the cross so that we might be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This gospel is what Paul was laboring for. He labored for this message of Jesus coming to earth as the son of God, dying on the cross, being buried, and three days later rising again. Why did he dedicate himself to this message? Because he says in Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Paul is ministering in the, in the gospel because he wanted to see people to be saved. And you see in the book of Acts, you see the letters that he's written, all of the different places that he went. 
he went first to Crete. He then went to what we call modern-day uh, Turkey, and he was there. You know, in the Bible, you'll see places like Galatia. You'll see places like Ephesus. You see places like Laodicea. You see places that are in the Bible. It's called Asia. These areas are all within this modern-day Turkey, and he would minister, and he preached the gospel there. Then he went over to Greece, and he was there in Philippi. He was there in Thessalonica. He was there in Berea. He was there going further down to Corinth and, and Athens. He went to all of these places preaching the gospel. And in some places, boy, lots of people got saved. Everybody wanted to hear the message. Everybody wanted to get saved. Everybody was, you know, huge crowds of people were trusting in Christ as their savior. In other cities, not so much. In other cities, they were a little more skeptical. In other cities, they were like, well, you know, we'll, we'll come back again and hear, hear you again. And we'll think about it for a little while. But for every soul that trusted Christ, the gospel made a difference. Every time a lost soul gets saved, there is an eternal impact that is made. And that is what we are striving for. That is what we are working towards, seeing people to be saved. Jude verse 22, and of some having compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. And it is this eternal impact that we strive for because the salvation of a lost soul is irreversible. Once somebody gets saved, their eternity is changed forever and can never be changed back. Praise the Lord for that. Once you get saved, you don't ever have to worry about it ever again. You don't ever have to worry about what's going to happen when I die. What's going to happen to my sin? What's going to happen in all of eternity? The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. I'm glad that my salvation is not kept by me because I've lost things, right? I've lost things that are important to me. Things that I know I should not lose this and I've lost it before. I remember on my honeymoon, uh, Esther and I, we, we, we traveled overseas. We were, we were in Italy, and so we went over there. And uh, we were, you know, we were, we were tourists, so we would go here and there. We were shopping, and we were trying to buy different things, you know. You know, I bought earrings for her, and then we were thinking about gifts for people that uh, were back home. And so we were buying different things, and uh, we made a few mistakes. I accidentally bought um, letter openers. And then I later realized you cannot bring letter openers on airplanes, and so that became a problem. So they confiscated my letter opener that I was going to give to somebody, you know, things like that. But one of these, you know, I don't know exactly what happened, but for whatever reason, I had taken out my phone, and uh, I was on my phone, and we were in one of these shops, and uh, for whatever reason, I think I was picking up something, I put my phone down. Now, you should put your phone down in your pocket, but I put it down in the store, and I picked it up, and I was looking at some different things, and you know, I, I don't even remember if we bought anything, but we walked out of the store, and we were about, I don't know, five minutes down the road, and uh, I, I was looking for my phone, and I realized, uh-oh, I lost my phone. <laughs> I'm in another country, and I lost my phone. You know, what am I gonna do? We went back, fortunately, we found it, but you know, I know how important my phone is, and I still left it behind somewhere. And if salvation were left up to us, we might leave it behind somewhere. We might forget about it. We might lose it. But salvation, God says, you know what? I'm not going to entrust your salvation to you. I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to keep it and I'm going to protect it because God never forgets anything. God never loses it. And so praise the Lord for that. Once you are saved, you are always saved. The salvation of a lost soul is for all of eternity. The thing about leading somebody to Christ and seeing them to be saved is 
You're making a difference in their life, not just for the next couple of moments, not just for the next couple of minutes or days or years. You are making a difference in their life for all of eternity. It is an eternal difference that is made. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the kind of difference that is made when somebody trusts Christ. Because the salvation of a lost soul is invaluable. Matthew chapter six, uh, 16 says, For what is man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What would you give in exchange for all of eternity? What in this earth would you give for all of heaven and that relationship with God and being there? What would you give? And the answer for all of us would be nothing. You couldn't give me anything in this world to give me in exchange for my salvation. Not that I could, but there's nothing in this world that is more valuable than your eternity in heaven. That is what Paul was laboring for. You see, when you see how important the gospel was and the difference that was made there in these lost souls, you could see why Paul dedicated himself. When you take a look at the life of Paul, you might say, wow, that man looks obsessed. He looks obsessed with the ministry. He looks obsessed with the gospel. He looks obsessed. He seems obsessed. And through the duration of his life, he never gave up. As far as we could see, he just continued to preach the gospel. Why? Because he knew Every moment that I spend giving the gospel to somebody could make a difference in their life for all of eternity. But Paul couldn't do the work of the gospel alone. It takes more than one individual to preach the gospel. It takes more than one person to share the gospel with the world. And, and you see that Paul, first of all, we always need to make sure we understand Paul partnered and he worked together with God. He was called by God in Acts chapter 13. The Holy Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, or Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So first of all, of course, he was laboring with the Lord, but then he worked together with other soul winners. When you take a look at the Bible and you see all of these different names, you see somebody like Timothy, you see somebody like Titus, you see somebody like Silas, you see Barnabas, you see these individuals as they traveled with him. You think about Luke, you think about even some that later forsook him like Demas. You see some of these individuals, they labored with him in the gospel because Paul knew I can't do this alone. I need help. I need help. And we all need to help each other in the gospel. That's the difference that can be made when we work together. We could see somebody to be saved. Praise the Lord for those that are saved through the ministry here of Bible Baptist Church. We made a difference. We made a difference. And that's why we come together. That's why we labor here together. That's why we preach the gospel. So we see the difference that is made in the destination of the lost. We also see the difference that is made in what I call the dwelling place of the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We'll take a look at a little bit of a lengthier passage here. So it might be good for you to turn in your Bibles there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. There's a difference that is made in this dwelling place of the Lord. So in verse number 9. He begins with this phrase, this uh, verse that we actually looked at before already. For we are laborers together with God. That's kind of how we began the series. If we're going to work together. We need to work together with the Lord. So we are laborers together with God is what Paul says. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. 
So Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and to the church of Corinth, he says, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So he's saying, all right, I'm in the middle of this building project that God is outlining and God is doing. Really, God is the one doing it, but I'm a part of this building project. But you guys make sure that you take care to build up in the right way. Verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the foundation of Christian life is Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not your works. It's not all the, what you're going to do. The foundation of your salvation, your Christian life, is Jesus Christ. That he is the Son of God. That he came to this earth. He died to, and he uh, uh, bore our sins. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again. So that is the foundation. On top of the foundation, we are to build. In verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, when you think about the Christian life, what exactly are we doing? In many ways, it can be summarized in this way. We are building on the foundation. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So what he's saying here is, okay, so somebody laid the foundation, Jesus Christ is there, and he preached the gospel, you get saved, and so now the foundation has been laid. Now, every day after that, we are to build on that foundation. Now, you could use uh, fleshly materials, or you can use spiritual materials. You can use carnal materials, or you can use eternal materials. And so, depending on what materials you use, how you live your Christian life depends on the kind of building that is built on the foundation. Now, no matter what you do, you can't lose your salvation. Even if you build a terrible house with your Christian life, you cannot lose your salvation. So praise the Lord for that. But we should still try to build a good building. Verse 16, here's the reason why. Why should we live for God? Why should we be holy? Why should we abstain from sin? Why should we resist and flee from temptation? Why should we do these things? Because, in verse 16, know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Did you know that the church is the temple of God? That God dwells within his temple? God could have chosen anything. God could have chosen anywhere. But God chose to dwell in this temple. The temple that God chose could have been anything, right? You and I, we are limited in where we could live, right? If you could live anywhere, and you, no dollar amount, you know, it doesn't matter if there are, you know, no houses available for sale. If you could live anywhere, where would you live? 
right? Some of you might live like, oh, I'd love to live right on the beach, you know, right there every day waking up and right there being on the sand. That would be great. Some of you might like to live, you know, in, you know, the mountains. You love the mountains. You love the snow and things like that. You know, I had a friend, we, before we moved here, we lived in New Jersey and, you know, we talked to him about different things. He's like, I could never leave, you know, I could never live in these places that don't have four seasons. You know, he wants all of the four seasons. He wants the winter and he wants the spring. He wants the summer and he wants the fall, you know, and here in California, we don't have that, right? We have uh, basically one season, sunny season, all year round, you know, and today is, it's going to be like 80 degrees today on Christmas Day, right? It's like, it's a hot summer day, you know, I was thinking about this. You, sometimes you go to the stores and you, you hear the phrase Christmas in July, you know, like, oh, there's a big sale in the middle of July. We have like the opposite. We have like July on Christmas Day, you know, it kind of feels weird, you know, and some people are like, this doesn't feel like Christmas at all. It should be cold. It should be, you know, snowy. Here, it's going to be hot and sunny, you know, people walk outside with shorts and a t-shirt, you know, and uh, you know, some people love that, you know, so wh wherever it is, you know, maybe you want to live in Hawaii, maybe you want to live in some other different places, you might, you might have all of these things, and the question is, if that's where you really want to live, why don't you live there? Well, we don't live there because we can't afford to live there, right? You know, I love to live on the beach, but those houses cost $10 million. I can't, you know, afford a $10 million house, you know, and so we are limited in where we could live, right? But God is unlimited in his wealth. It's not like God is choosing where to live because, oh, I'd really like to live somewhere else, but I really just can't afford it right now. That's not God, right? God could afford and choose to live anywhere, and he chose to live within us, within the church. We are the dwelling place of God, the temple of God of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 16 or verse 19 says, now therefore ye, ye are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the spirit our church when you think about our church is not just the property it's not just a place where we gather together if you're a member of bible baptist church you are a part of this home or habitation of god here's the thing about the house of god god's not finished building his house yet some of you might have your own homes and, you know, you have uh, these renovation projects, right? You know, during COVID, right, what was the big thing is everybody's now got to start to work at home. So now they're thinking about having a home office, right? And so you might have heard about all these people adding on offices into their homes, converting garages and different things like that to be able to have a place where they could work. Or, you know, some people have different renovation projects, right? You might want to renovate your kitchen and, you know, put in new granite countertops, new cabinets, new appliances, you know, get a little island and, you know, break down some walls or whatever, open the place up. You, you, you might have some different ideas about renovations, maybe doing something in the backyard, all sorts of different renovations that you might have on your house. And when you think about that, you think about, oh, you know what? I would love to be able to do this and have this. And 
have a bigger living space. I'd love to have my bedroom to be like this or the kitchen to be a little bit bigger to be able to do some different things. And you might have some ideas on the kind of house that you might have, looking at where it is and how you would like to build onto it and, and make some changes to it. Well, the Bible describes this house of God and that he is on a renovation project because he would like to make some additions to his house. When we think about the church and we think about soul winning, you know what soul winning is? You read somebody with the gospel, they get saved, they get baptized, they get added to the church. You know what that is? That's an addition to the house of God. When you think about each of us as individual believers and we're growing in holiness and we're, we're thinking about, you know what, I want to be more like Christ. I, I want to follow God. I want to obey God. I want to understand God in a deeper way. That is a renovation project on me as an individual and that makes a difference in the house of God. Ephesians chapter 4 says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So when you think about the Christian life in the context of a church, when we live for the Lord, when we follow God, when we reach others with the gospel, we help to disciple individuals, we are working on the house of God. And that is meaningful work. Amen? That is meaningful work, that we get to work on the house of God. And I think all of us want to have a meaningful life. We want to have meaning to the days that we spend, right? We, want to have, we don't want to be wasting our time away. We want to have some meaning and worth in our lives. And there is nothing more meaningful or worthwhile than working on the things of God. Seeing people to be saved adding them to the house of God. And it is a work that cannot be done alone. It can't be done by one person. It's going to take all of us. Because if you think about building a building or you think about renovating a home, you need lots of different people. Right? I remember when, you know, I, I've been a part of some building programs, you know, at different churches and things like that. You know, I've been familiar with this, you know, that you have these people, they're excavating out the land, they bring in these backhoes and things like that, and they pull out all of the, all of the dirt, and then they lay that foundation at the bottom, and then they start framing, you know, you got the, and then you get these carpenters coming in, they frame up everything, and then you get the, the roofing guys, the roofing and siding guys, they come in, they put a roof on the building, they put the siding in, and then once you get all of that taken care of, then you get other people coming in, you got do the plumbing you got to do the electrical work you got to do uh, the insulation you got to do the drywall you have all of these different people then you got to put the floors in you got to paint the house and you got to put in all of the fixtures you have all sorts of different people in order to get the house together because you want different people working in their different areas right you don't want your plumbing guy to do the framing right you want the plumbing guy to do the plumbing you want a framing guy to do the framing. You want the electrical guy to do the electrical, right? You don't want the siding guy to do the electrical work in your house. It might burn down, right? So we need different people. And the Bible says we are all here in order to help build and work on the house of God, which is us. So when we come together, like on a Sunday morning here, and you get the opportunity to encourage somebody in the Lord, to let them know that you're praying for them, just hear how they're doing and, and labor together, encourage each other in the Lord. We're doing some real meaningful work building the house of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we read some of the verses earlier. Paul says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth, 
and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, and ye are God's building. So what Paul is saying is, I work together with Paul, depending upon the Lord, in order to build something here. So that's the difference that is made when we work together. We make a difference in the lives and eternity of those that are lost. We make a difference in the church. But also, lastly, I want to see the delight of the laborers. Because as much as we might not like to think about it, working together requires work, right? You can't work together without working. And let's just be honest, how many of us like working, right? The word work is like, oh, I want to get away from work. I have to work, but I want to get away from work, right? And we're, even if you're doing meaningful work, even if you're doing work that you like, it can still become you know, work, right? Work that we're like, oh, I'm really working on this, right? More than ever, we need the joy of the Lord. We sing the songs like joy to the world. And more than ever, that is what is needed. You know, we live in a generation that has and gets more than any generation in history. We have heating, we have air conditioning, we have the internet, we have cars and planes and all sorts of different things. And yet, when you read the news, everybody seems to be talking about how anxiety is up, depression is up, you know, mental health is a big problem, it's a growing problem. Well, why is that? Why is it that we have more of the things that we want and yet, as a society, as a world in general, we seem to be struggling more and more? And it's not just the lost. There are Christians who struggle with this as well. And I believe one of the answers, a big part of it, first of all, we begin with the Lord, right? We say it's the joy of the Lord. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. So it begins with the Lord. But we also need to understand that God designed the Christian life to be done together. That God designed our Christian lives not to be lived alone, but to be lived together and working together because it produces relief. In Colossians 4, he says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive the commandments, if he come unto you, receive him, and Jesus, who is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my work fellows unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. So what Paul is saying is, I know that I'm doing the most important thing I could do. There's nothing uh, other that I would rather be doing, and yet it can be hard. It can be difficult. Laboring in the ministry can make you tired. And you know, one of the things that will help you when you're working is to look over and see somebody working with you, right? That's why people, they have gym partners, right? They have gym uh, workout buddies, right? You go to the gym and you work out together because it's, it's encouraging and it's comforting to go there and do it together right? If you run, you know, it's way easier to go running with somebody else, right? You're encouraging each other. Hey, let's keep going. Let's not quit, you know, because I've tried running, you know, when you run, there's a temptation. You know what? I could just stop here and turn back, you know, I know I should be going. I know my, I, you know, I want to run a mile. I want to run two miles. I want to run three miles, but you know what? I'm just a little tired today. You know, I'm just going to go back home, you know, but when you're running with somebody else, you can't just be like, hey, I'm tired. I'm going to go back home. You're like, hey, we're out here together. Let's run together, right? It can be comforting and helpful when you're working in the ministry. 
That's why it's so important that every believer get plugged into a ministry. Not just to come to church and sit in a service, but to get plugged into ministry. Into some area where I'm going to come and I'm going to serve and I'm going to labor in the ministry because somebody else needs encouragement. Somebody's teaching a class. Somebody's witnessing to somebody. Somebody's trying to be a light in a dark place. and They need encouragement. And not only that, we should labor so that others could encourage us. It is comforting when we labor and somebody labors alongside of us. I encourage every member of this church, get plugged into a ministry. Get plugged into, when I come to a church service, or this is my role in the church, this is what I do, because it is comforting for others, and others can comfort you in the ministry. Working together also produces refreshment. We took a look at 1 Corinthians 16 before, and in verse number 15, it says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints that ye submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad for the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus for that which was lacking on your part. They have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. You know, we've all been in those places where you're working outside, you're doing something on the house, or maybe your job is even outside, maybe you're exercising on a hot day, and all you want is a cold drink of water, right? You've been there, you know? It's hot outside, and I just want a cold drink because I'm getting tired. And as you drink the cold drink, what happens? You get refreshed, and you think, you know what? I could go a little bit longer. You know, I could, I could finish off this, 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 uh, this lap. I, I could go one more time around. I could keep going. And that's what a cold, cool drink of water will do for you on a hot day when you're outside laboring hard, working hard. And what God says is that when we work together, we can refresh each other. We can refresh each other. We can encourage each other in labor, ultimately because working together produces joy. Working together brings joy. 2 Corinthians says this, Moreover, I call God for record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth. Right? What he's saying is, uh, last letter I told you about some things and I didn't want to go right away because I didn't want to catch you doing wrong. Right? And he says, why? Not for that we have dominion over faith. He say, I didn't write these things just to tell you what to do. Not because I want to be in control of anything, but our helpers or working together of your faith. For by faith you stand. But I determined this with myself, that I would not come again to you in heaviness. He's saying, I want to help your joy. That's what Paul was saying. He continues, for if I make you sorry, who is he then that maketh me glad? But the same which is made sorry by me. So what he's saying is, all right, if I show up and I find you all in sin, I know that you're going to feel sorry, right? You're going to feel bad. And that's not going to make me feel good. I'm going to feel bad that you feel bad. Now, who's going to make me happy, right? Are you going to? Because you feel bad. Now we're both feeling bad. I, I don't want any of that. And he says, and I wrote uh, verse number two, 
verse number three, and I wrote the same unto you, lest when I came, I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. Working together builds joy. That was part of God's plan. Philippians chapter two, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Do you see what Paul is saying here? He's saying, let's do this together so that we could have joy. You know what Paul is saying here is, you know what, if I come in and I work together and I have joy, guess what? You're going to have some joy too. And we can work together and build on this joy. We might say it this way, joy is contagious. Joy can be contagious. When you see somebody who's joyful, you want to you wanna follow in their excitement. You know, that's the thing. You know, I have, I have two little girls and uh, they get excited over all sorts of little things, you know, these little tiny little things. Dad, look, I saw this thing. And sometimes I feel like, uh, okay, but then you know what? I see they're excited and I'm like, well, you know what? They're excited about it. All right, I don't, I'll be excited with you, okay? And we get excited together and you know, I was like, yeah, okay, cool, great. And, you know, in, in a large part, God desires that we live in joy not just in our relationship with God and him alone, but in the context of you and me working together. If you're lacking in joy, I encourage you, get more involved with your church and not less. If you're lacking in joy, get more involved with other believers. Get together, study the word of God together, pray together, minister together, and we will be able to build joy because we want to make a difference, right? That's what working together is all about, making a difference in the lives of the lost, in the church, and for those that are laboring alongside of us.